0: Welcome to the Social Leader Podcast. This podcast is made for entrepreneurs, business owners, faith leaders, community advocates, volunteers, trailblazers, innovators, and visionaries from every walk of life. Social leaders are striving to move beyond charity and to integrate and then operationalize their social priorities. They forge sustainable solutions to solve our communities most tangled problems. Social leaders are the most creative, most important leaders of our time because they are striving to lead with greater social impact to change the world. Well, welcome to the Social Leader episode number 22. I'm Father Justin Matthews. And real quick, before we begin, I want to tell you that today's episode is presented by Reconciliation Services, a social venture nonprofit located here at 31st and Truist in Kansas City, Missouri. And our mission is to cultivate a community that is seeking racial and economic reconciliation so that we can reveal the strength of all. Hey, if you want to know more about our programs, social services, mental health, trauma therapy, and economic community building work, We would invite you to go to www.rs3101.org. You can even hop on, make a donation, and support our work right now. Well, I'm super excited today to introduce some of my best friends, some of the people that inspire me every day. Uh, Their names are Artis and Randy. They are the leaders, the geniuses, the brains behind Thelma's Kitchen. They make it happen every single day. Artists and Randy, welcome to the Social Leader Podcast.
1: How are you? Thank you, Father.
0: Absolutely. Um, so excited to have you guys on because we've got a lot of really cool things happening. We've been through a lot because we're recording this. We're still in the midst of a global pandemic that's shut down and changed restaurants and you know food service uh, in a way that I've never thought I'd experience in my life, and that's really impacted Thelma's Kitchen. We're gonna get into that, but. Look, you know, you two are really exemplary people. And I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I work with you every day. The food you make is incredible. The kind of leadership that you bring to the community and to our team at Reconciliation Services is inspiring. And I just would like to get to know you all a little bit and share your story. So I want to start with you, artists. Tell me a little bit about how you became the leader that you are today and what inspires you to dedicate your life and your talent to your work here at Thelma's Kitchen?
2: Well, I started from the Navy and uh, just going to the Navy just to protect you know, the people I love and, and people in America. And then once I got out, I was in the Navy for 10 years. And once I got out of the Navy, I went to uh, uh, Cornerstones of Care for a, a cook position and I was there for six years. And then I just started thinking about how some kids had more than others and some didn't have anything. And I just got fell in love with the, the boys that was there. It's like a group home for boys that's been um, um, abused, you know, and left behind and things like that. So that started me off with just, you know, having this, you know, this thing just to help people. And then with by cooking, you really help a lot of people. Because make good food, they always want to come back and they have conversations with you.
0: Yeah. Where'd you learn to cook? Because I'll be honest with you, like you made me a tuna salad sandwich the other day and some quinoa salad that knocked me down. I mean, it was really good. It was on this beautiful, fresh marble rye bread. You make a a, a Reuben sandwich that, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for Reuben. So, I mean, you make incredible food artists and I know that you're making it all from scratch every day, fresh. Where'd you learn to cook? You know, where How'd you get to be the kind of the creative chef that you are today where'd that come from
2: it's a funny story i was skipping school i was in 11th grade (laughs) i was skipping school i was walking downtown and my aunt saw me and she kind of picked me up took me to salvation army so she had me cut potatoes and things like that and that's how i really started because i got caught skipping school
0: Wait a minute. So wait, you skipped school. Your aunt found out. And instead of like grounding you or whatever, she's like, I know what I'm going to do with you. You're going to peel potatoes at Salvation Army.
2: Yeah. She, uh, cause she was, uh, the director, she, she worked there in the kitchen. So
0: oh, she, of yeah. Salvation Army.
2: Yeah. So, so she took me in and made me cut this big old bag of 50 pound potatoes and onions and things like that. That's how it started.
0: That sounds like preparation for the navy, not just preparation for cooking, peeling potatoes.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't wouldn't, I wouldn't thinking about going to the navy at that time. It was just, to, you know, start learning how to do different things to have, not to waste my time to have constructive things to do. Yeah, and, and once I start falling in love with cooking and see how it made people happy, you know, the ones it had and ones it didn't have, that's what, that, that's what really got me into it.
0: Yeah, what does cooking mean to you? You know, like, is there a memory or a recipe or a taste or you know some kind of food experience that you really carry forward with you that that kind of gives cooking meaning for you?
2: The meaningful meaning for me, as far as cooking, is my grandmother. Hmm. When she always had us come over on on Sundays, had his big family family meals and stuff like that, and you know, in the kitchen, she taught me to get out the kitchen. That's what cooking means to me, and my grandmother, and that's what. From love. That's you know, just cooking from love.
0: Yeah. What was your grandmother's, like, what was her best dish or your favorite recipe? What do you remember? Um, she made uh, a cow tongue sandwich. A cow tongue sandwich? Yeah. Okay. Hold up. Where did you grow up? I grew up here in Kansas City. Yeah. Okay, for anybody listening outside of Kansas City, I just want to make clear, like, I'm not sure Cow Tongue is on everybody. Like, you know, a lot of people think we're kind of a Cow Town artist. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing. I've had a Cow Tongue sandwich. I'll admit I was in a little delicatessen in New York and I had it and it was pretty amazing. But you just say that out loud and you kind of, you know, we want to have people listen to the podcast, you know? (laughs) But So your grandma made a cow tongue sandwich, and that's your favorite memory of her. That's pretty unique.
2: I think about that all the time. My mom doesn't like cow tongue sandwiches.
0: but You know what I like about that, though, is what you said about just that food and love and family and gathering kind of go together, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember a time, or is there like a, a particular dinner or a meal that you remember that kind of sticks out in your memory or that really symbolizes that for you?
2: Not really, it's it's like maybe all of them are like that, especially when the family's involved. All of them are like that. I mean, it just be me, my mother, my brother, my sister, and the kids, and it's, you know, I don't really have anything that really sticks out as far as like like a recipe or any meal. It's just that, it's the family thing around the food.
0: Well, you definitely bring that sense of family and love here. And I'm going to I'm gonna tattle on you a little bit. I remember it was like three weeks into you first being hired and all of a sudden somebody said, hey, we're having family breakfast at 8 a.m. before we start this Friday. And I said, wait a minute, what's family breakfast? And uh, they said, well, you know, the new guy artist down there, he's cooking for everybody. It's going to be sausage and pancakes and he just felt like we all needed to get together. And I I turned to, I can't remember who it was, I turned to somebody on the team and I was like, this guy is us. Like he gets it. He knows like the kind of spirit that we have. I mean, we're not some kind of corporate work. I mean, it's crazy that we're almost 30 people now, but we're not some kind of corporate uh, shop. You know, we really have that family sense and you definitely bring your A game when it comes to that. So thank you for that. Well, hey Randy, let's get your story because you've got a very different path, and from from what people probably don't know, you don't come out of the food service industry, and that's interesting. Now that you're the manager of this of this social venture restaurant, so share a little bit about your story, Randy, and um, how you became the leader that you are today.
1: Absolutely, I, I, you know what I just found out about artists though is that our paths are really similar. My grandmother is who started me into food, but food isn't, you know, I mean, that's where food and love are for me as well. And so that's an amazing thing. Um, But I started in the corporate world. I, you know, I started my path right out of college thinking I was gonna be in the corporate world and um, wasn't planning on having children, was planning on just working, working. Then I ended up getting married, having children, which are the greatest joys in my life um and and couldn't imagine without them and I worked um, I did end up raising them as a single mom after a while from about the ages of four and nine and about five when my son was about five my daughter 10 we started through our church doing a homeless ministry um, because I wanted them to understand um, that we were very very fortunate in our lives with where we were placed and where we were born and that, Um, There are a lot of folks out in this world that don't have the same means, but that doesn't mean that they're not the same people as we are. And I really wanted my children to understand that, that there aren't people to be afraid of, there are people to love on. And so we would go down to the public library when I was at 13th and Oak and hand out sack lunches every two weeks and um, there were about ten of us from the church i was attending and our children Um, one of my fondest memories of that was when my son was probably six he would brought a big old bag of stuffed animals down the stairs with him and i said where are we going with those and he said well i think that the people that get lunch need these animals more than i do mom and um, so he he took them and it was an amazing thing. He handed them out and people loved them. But I did the corporate path and um, I was a corporate credit director and merger and acquisition director for 18 years with a petroleum marketer here in Kansas City that I loved immensely. It was an entrepreneurial company. We were allowed to grow and, and uh, just like Reconciliation Services truly, and Thelma's everybody owned their spot and, and you had creative power to make it happen. And, and um, about, well, actually it was about eight years ago, we got bought by a public company, which took all of that away really um, came in with just top down mandates and took all that entrepreneurial spirit away, which really we just kind of watched everything slowly disintegrate. And uh, so I retired in 2017 from that. And really had no idea what I wanted to do, but I do know that I wanted to give back. And I didn't have time to do that. Um, When I was working corporate, I traveled all the time. And so I started coming to Thelma's with a real estate company that I had joined and actually like two to three weeks into Thelma's first opening.
0: And knew- Yeah, you were one of our very first volunteers that came back, you know.
1: And so it was my spot. I felt like this is where I belonged. And, um, it was every week then I came in and, um, just, it, it, it was my place that I knew I was okay. And you know, when, when people retire prior to retirement age, right? So I wasn't quite retirement age, truly still felt like I had a lot to give. Um, but it's very difficult in this environment in today's world for your resume to get recognized when they see you graduate from high school in 1980 Right, right? they kind of go whoop <laughs> And as you guys all know, I have a little technical difficulty from time to time but Anyway, I still had a lot to offer and I love process work and I love people people are my thing I I love to love on people and um but I get just as filled up. I mean, when you come and serve and volunteer here, you walk away with far more than you ever give. And that's really what I felt. And then the opportunity came along to start just part-time um, running the cash register, which I loved because it gave me purpose and a plan every day and, and with people I loved. And, and yeah, let's-
0: Let's pause and talk about that for a minute, because you know Thelma's Kitchen is a donate what you can social venture restaurant. It's not, you know, that cash register is really more like a donation station, and and it's a really unique position. Yes, it is. Um, what did you see? What did you hear that that touched your heart uh, when you were doing that first as a volunteer? And and I guess what I really want to know too is what did you learn personally in doing that oh
1: my gosh um you you know the answers <laughs> to this um i know the answer
0: I, to it, um, are we gonna get her to cry artists i'm not trying to but a, a, a little bit randy's got a anybody listening randy's got a very sensitive heart and very you know it's interesting that vulnerability comes out this kind of place here when you're doing this work, you run up against people in situations that, that do touch your heart. Okay, but back to you, like what did you learn? What did you see? Uh,
1: I learned that I had a lot of bias that I didn't even know I had, right? And I learned that um, trauma comes in all forms. And I didn't even, it had never been in my daily world, right? And so, I came to it from volunteering here, maybe a week, right? To fully engrossed every day, um, and what what is so powerful for me at the register is when I see someone come through in need, and that's really why Thelma's exists, right? See, there I go, is to help plug plug people into the resources we yeah. have right and they don't even know i'll never forget one of the first times i was at the register this little girl comes through and she was my kid's age and that's sometimes what hits me so hard is when i see kids in their 20s really struggling you know and she came through and had no idea how we worked and what and had no money and so i said you know well today, we're going to go ahead and feed you. And I said, next time though, if you can just volunteer before, before you get your meal, that's kind of how we work. Right. About 40 minutes later, I looked up and here's this little girl washing our windows. Hmm. and So she took the spirit of Thelma's and applied it because it gave her purpose for her meal and it gave her ownership of something. And I watched that in action through that. And, and there's been you know hundreds of other stories since then of people that come through and you just see that maybe they need to talk to somebody and you can direct in in Thelma's we have um, community stewards. We have our case management, and our social workers, and we can catch their eye and just kind of say, you know this person needs a little help today. Yeah. And they yeah. can sit down and talk with them and help plug them into the resources that are here.
0: Yeah. If people don't know, Thelma's Kitchen is a really interesting and I think innovative setup that we as a team all came up with. And the idea is how do we move as far away from Soup Kitchen as possible, but at the same time really address the need for affordable, healthy food in a community where in our, in our neighborhood, one out of eight people suffers from nutritional insecurity, meaning that they might have access to food, but it's not good food, it's not good healthy food, uh, fresh, fresh food and a variety of food. But then also there are many, many families that do not have enough food. And I think that's only been um, exacerbated by the COVID situation with the schools being closed and a lot of the normal social service and other resources. And even just frankly, there's a lot of grandmas and grandpas in the community that are cooking for a lot of people that aren't their own kids. And yeah. without being able to like gather together, some of that just social connection um, has, has eroded. It's been hard to see. Artists, I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about I, – I know, because I hear it. People come up to you on the street when you're done cooking and whatnot, and they tell you, you know, I'm assuming it's all good, but I'm sure we've got our critics too <laughs> <up>. <laughs> But, you know, we're a five-star Yelp-rated restaurant on Troost in Kansas City. You know, what do people tell you? What have you heard about the food? And is there anyone that's come up to you that, that's really kind of stuck out or touched your heart when they talk to you about Thomas Kitchen?
2: It was uh, it was this lady. I can't remember her name. She told me her name. It was like bow. when we was open about, about three weeks ago. She walked up to the restaurant when I made the uh, tomato basil soup. Oh, right. And she kept asking me what was in this soup and all that stuff, and I was telling her. She said, no, it's something else in there, something else in there. And I said, is this is what it is. This the, the tomatoes, the cream, the basil, little salt and pepper. She said, no, it's something else in there. And then she went on, and she said, I don't know what that was, but it was a, it made a chicken um, chicken lasagna. Oh, right. And she said, that chicken lasagna was so good. I never had a chicken lasagna, and I thought it was just going to taste like Nothing. But that's what she, she didn't say that. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> you gave the G-rated version. Yeah. Okay, this is a family show. Thank you. <laughs> and
2: uh, and I was like, she was like, I really enjoyed it. I really did. And I wish I could have some more. And we had those leftovers. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and that's before they put them in the freezer. And I said, hold on a second. When I got her once, she, she just looked at me, and she said, "Thank you." Now I have something to eat later on tonight. And it really kind of got to me. I'm not the person that really likes this cry but it kind of just hit me to like this little you know a little misty and then it's like just came back again the next day and talked to her every day I haven't seen her since we closed but that's really just stands out to me because people some people come like the food was really good I appreciate it in you know, I didn't have any money you fed mm-hmm. me I really like this and keep up the good work and things like that and uh, it was one, it was a it was a man, he was just sitting outside. Me and Jay was going to go home.
0: Yeah, tell everybody who Jay is because he's sort uh, of an institution around here.
2: Jay is um, what do you call himself? A dish operator. A dish what do you say? A dish machine operator. That's what he said.
1: And an executive chair holder
0: downer. An executive chair holder?
2: Yeah, he downer.
1: A- he has to sit
2: in
0: it. Yeah, he yeah, he, he holds hold it, it down, right?
1: Up. And uh, he holds the executive chair. In
0: Jay keeps us all laughing. And by the way, anybody who's actually in Kansas City and has volunteered with Thelma's Kitchen—if you've worked on the the dish machine in the back—you know Jay. And yeah. He's he's more famous than anybody around here. Right. Yeah, he is. We call him Chief Jay.
2: Yeah. yeah. And uh, so so Jay, he was he was just looking at me like he said, "You feel all right? you okay?" Said, I'm fine. It's like, so it, it, it just gave me one of those moments to where it's like, I really helped out somebody today, both of them, the man and the lady. Right. And it's just like, and then I had a, I had went down to a family dollar and I got some socks. And he's like, and I just like, I haven't, I don't have the salad, t shirts, and things like that. And we didn't have anything like in the closet. So I just gave him socks. And it just, you know, it just uplifted me so so I could give out, you know what I'm saying? And what you give out, you give back. That's, a, that's how I put it. And when I give back his kind words and you know things like that, it's just, this, this is the place you want to be at. It's the place you want to come to. If you're feeling down about anything, come get some food, come get a bowl of soup, or whatever, and just come in and just sit down and enjoy. When you can't come and sit down,
0: yeah, but, but, yeah. Well, and that's an interesting transition because you, you know we our two year anniversary, our two year birthday at Thoma's Kitchen is coming up. I think it's August seventeenth, if I'm not mistaken, and there's a lot happening on that day this year. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, you know, the the pandemic with Corona, that's really, it's really been hard. You know, we were, I mean, we were, we were cooking with grease. There was a lot happening, you know, and I always, I always think about that. You ever made pancakes on Saturday morning, your first two to three pancakes are always terrible, right? They, they fall apart, but when you get the griddle hot you can flip pancakes all morning long. And they. we got to that place where we were making pancakes and it was just, it was flowing. And then out of nowhere, here comes COVID, right? And and all of us felt it. And, and our neighbors felt it. The evictions are on the rise. Our utility, you know, people are coming to us for utility support. Some of our utility supports up 200% from what it was this time last year. I mean, there's real suffering in the community. And so, you know, we we actually pivoted real quickly when we had to shut the restaurant. Randy, um, talk about what we did right after. You know, the city closed the restaurants in the, in Kansas City. Where did we go? And then a little bit about what did we try to do after about ninety days of that?
1: Absolutely. So we made the decision to close on Friday, March. So I we opened up on the thirteenth. So it would have been the tenth. Yeah. Um. 11, 12 well, whatever day it would have been, the 10th. We made that decision on Friday to close. Monday, we turned around and opened right back up again with the to-go model, which was learn on the fly. Artists and I had both been in our roles for
2: three weeks, about
1: -hmm. um, about three weeks. And so it was, we got to start making food and a lot of food. And so, you know, during the start of the pandemic, every single week, something changed, whether it was with the city or the county or just with us that you know this isn't working and so i feel like we've gotten really good at pivot turn pivot turn pivot turn um, and as a group because around here Thelma's isn't just Thelma's it's part of reconciliation services it's part of a greater service to the community so um, we went through 90 days of free meals out the door we saw our meal count rise from about 125 to 40 meals a day to over 350 a day and with that um, brought a lot more traffic than we had had prior Um, all that traffic was outside because we could not let anyone in Um, you couple that with uh, mental illness with people in distress um, with the bus company struggling to to keep their drivers safe which they're still struggling today. And um, just
0: the general sense it was, of it was people awful. being scared, right? They didn't know what was happening. People well, still feel exactly. that way.
1: You know, what you have to realize is the folks that we serve, every single routine in their life was devastated yeah. at mm-hmm. the start of this. Every routine. The thing that probably broke my heart the most through this whole thing was people needing to use a restroom. Yes just our basic needs that we take for granted, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
1: We take it. It just blows me away. The things that we take for granted that some people, uh, it is their daily job just to get it to happen for them. It's essential. essential. Right. And so we really, um, we wanted to feed our neighbors and we wanted to make sure people were fed. And we had such great donors, Mel, the bread man. And, um, the guy in the van with all the pastries that okay. i don't know his name i don't know his name. were the, the, the pepsi man the pepsi guy um cerner yeah. the, the country kitchen folks that brought all this food to us and donated it we couldn't have made it through this without them right. and you know we were getting food in here from every place we could find artists god love him he's like if you bring another onion in here i'm gonna another (laughs) onion and potato because i'd say here artists we have all this food now fix something out of it okay and uh make sure it's healthy and
0: well that's pretty different from normal because i mean normally we operate like a restaurant we're not taking donated leftover you know pastries isn't really our thing but i mean everything shut down i mean it was very hard to even get supplies from normal restaurant uh, you know depot and stuff like that and so we were really grateful. What, what was the impact on the community? Because I think we could have made the choice to shut down. Why do you feel like we stayed open and what impact did it make on the community? I
2: think we stayed open because our mission, that's why we stayed open. And, and that we felt that if we did stay open, it would be a lot of hungry people, not just the regulars that come around, but also the kids when the kids start coming. That's why I think we stayed open. I, that's why I know we stayed
0: that's why yeah I-, I think you were right i mean i think you know you can't abandon your community you know when things get tough and and that's one of the aspects of privilege you know when people feel like well i'm here but when the going gets tough i'm out right. and then the folks are left out i agree with you i feel like as a team we decided to stay open just partially as a symbol to say look we're in it with you and we may not experience it the same way all of us but you know, we have staff members that ride the bus. You guys mentioned the bus company. A lot of our staff rides the bus. And, you know, the the buses went to having only 12 people on the some buses and 20 on others. And the drivers were scared. And there were people getting sick. And, you know, I think uh, that Robbie McEnany and the ATA did the best that they could. And, Absolutely. You know, but it got it got, out there. Yeah, did. it got rough out there. It caused a lot of tension, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah. So I
1: think... You know, just and when I look at the dates and the times that we did things, you know, we had difficulty on Thursday and Friday, late May, yeah. um, with, with the outside and the tension with the bus company and just, just social tension. Right. Yeah. And then on Monday, George, we made the decision Friday that we were closing to the, to
2: yeah, the, that, um, uh, the, pro- the protests.
1: And well, and it wasn't even that. I mean, we did it before the protests. Yeah. But then Monday, George Floyd uh, was murdered, and that erupted. Yeah. And I am thankful that we were closed because we would have had some eruption, I believe. Yeah. But on the other hand, our neighbors didn't see our love. That That is for them right? And um, so then there was the prayer on truce, And, you know, so there have been things to tie this community back together. Um, We wanted to find a way to let our neighbors back into Thelma's. And Mm -hmm. the decision to close down was, A, artists and I were exhausted. Very much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you guys have been going for 90 days cooking I mean, I think we, I think we provided over 5,000 to 6,000 meals a month for a solid three months. And it was the two of y'all and whatever came in the front door the day before and a couple of like really diehard volunteers who were with you, but yeah, it was tiring. And, and I think when we did close, it wasn't because I I remember those conversations. I don't think it was primarily the protests, although that was certainly a concern because there were. I mean, it was bizarre. We had National Guard or State Guard like around the corner because the police station is right here. It was it it was and continues to be a really difficult time. But, you know, I think the one of the reasons that we closed was that doing free meals in styrofoam containers out the door is much like a soup kitchen, which is not our mission. Right. Correct. And so we did it for a long time. And then especially with George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor and others, we realized we've got to get back on mission with reconciliation and we've got to figure out a way to be with our community to provide you know, high quality and healthy food to our community as a way of, you know, that's our protest. You know, some of our staff were in the protests or, you know, and we we encourage people strongly to be anti-racist in their own way. That's core to who we are as an organization. But I feel like our work every day from social and trauma therapy services, economic community building, Thelma's Kitchen, healthy food, that's a day-to-day protest when the protests aren't happening. And so, you, you know, in many ways, I think people... Um, wanted us to get back to our form of protest. And we were hearing that in the community. I want to pivot though, because I, I want to make sure we get into what's next, because we did try to open and we are open, you know, for about two weeks, this Thelma's Kitchen doing all the lines on the floor and the plexi. I feel like we have more plexiglass than, than a plexiglass shop. I mean, <laughs> God bless our director of programs, Gabriel Rope. He was down there I- for hours rigging up plexiglass on the front of everything. And, yeah, you know, we did everything we could to stay safe. But at the end of the day, our neighbors, our staff and everybody and our volunteers were saying, look, this just doesn't feel right yet. And since we don't have anywhere to sit outside, we don't have, you know, a parking lot or anything per se, we really can't do like some of those other places do. So we shut back down again, but we shut back down and got really busy and really focused. So Randy, what's next, when is it launching, and, and how are we reinventing Thelma's Kitchen right now?
1: So, I, I don't, this is so exciting. Um, box, Thelma's Box Lunch is going to launch August 17th to the community. Um, we have put in a to-go window at, on the 31st side of our building that is a walk-up window Um, People will also be able to order online and pick that up here as well. Um, And we really want to focus our box lunch on the social mission and continue educating our neighbors about healthy food and healthy food choices. And, you know, we when we were open during COVID and just taking whatever food came in through the door and pushing it right back out, it wasn't always in our healthy food mode. We served a lot of birthday cake and birthday cupcakes. That's not healthy food. Um, So I'm super excited that we're back to healthy food. Um, We've been operating the last few weeks on new recipes, new menu items. We've had neighbors and staff taste those and give us feedback and response. So we are really excited to put out a top quality menu um, and cannot wait. I'm super excited about it. We cannot wait to introduce it to Kansas City. And to yeah,
0: order. I mean, Thelma's Box uh, org. You can see it on, on I, the screen if you're watching on YouTube or on one of the social media stations. But if you go to Thelma's Box um, what I love is that you, you can order online, not only just for yourself uh, and come pick that up, but you can also put in a larger order with a little bit of advance notice. And, you know, this is an awesome opportunity for companies who still do have folks in the office, but they don't want, you know, a hundred Jimmy John drivers coming in the front door because they're trying to keep the lobby, you know, secure and safe and clean. And, you know, I, I think that the most important thing is that it's still going to be incredible food, but I like what you're doing. And I know artists, You've not only been testing a ton of different recipes, which it's been fun to actually see different surveys coming in from neighbors and staff and clients and others, but artists talk to me a little bit about the work that you're doing on incorporating, um, kind of local favorites that folks like and how we're kind of enculturating that food in a unique way. But then also you're looking at trying to bring in some recipes from neighbors, aren't you?
2: Yes. Um, Right incorporating the some of the stuff that uh like as far as some of the sandwiches have changed but they I, I think they like these new sandwiches that's coming in and later on down the line when we get back to a normal some kind of normal in restaurant where we can go back to all the old staples that we have then they'll be included with the new ones and right now we're just having this this is it's a new menu so i know you're going to enjoy it
0: yeah, I think people are going to love it. I'm telling you, the other day I already mentioned the tuna sandwich, but um, I I really think that what I'm impressed with is that some of the neighbors are actually coming in and saying, "Hey, this was my grandma's recipe." I have one person is actually Thelma's uh, Thelma's daughter Anita, and and if she's listening, I hope that she knows how much we love her because she's here all the time. Anita Gardner, Thelma's uh, daughter. Um, her mom used to make incredible bread pudding. And that's one of the dishes that people love. We've always had bread pudding from the beginning, but now the new bread pudding that we were doing uh, and the new recipe was just incredible. You know, obviously uh, box lunches are pretty common, um, but what's going to make this box lunch really stand out? We've talked about the incredible quality of the food, the high quality presentation, um, but Randy, What's different from the box to the mission about Thelma's box lunch?
1: So our box lunch is truly a social venture mission. Um, and and I can start with the food and then I'll go to the box. Um, the food, we are also, one of the other things we're doing is I'm starting this baker's army. Yeah. Um, and so thrilled, I have a couple of volunteers that responded to me overnight that wanna come in. Uh Allie Spilling and her family came in Monday and baked for the week and so you know artists and I aren't bakers. Um we're we're
2: we take out creative the chefs,
1: creative chefs, <laughs> but not necessarily bakers. Cause we don't measure and you know, you just throw a pinch here, a pinch there. That works much better.
0: Um, so it's we a scratch kitchen,
1: right? we're a scratch kitchen man. Baking isn't so much that it's a science. And so I'm super excited that we've got volunteers coming in to do all of our baking with their recipes. Right. And so that, you know, that's so much love in those boxes, just
2: that. I, know, I don't know who the lady, I can't remember her name, but those Wolferman cornwall cookies. Oh, those cookies? Yeah, they smell good. I couldn't tell if they had nuts in it. but.
0: No, they, Wolferman.
1: Yeah. yeah, anybody that remembers Wolferman in yeah. Kansas City.
0: Jay
2: ate so many of those cookies.
0: <laughs> yeah. Jay ate too many of them. Well, we got to have some left for Thelma's box lunch. Right.
1: So, so the food, that food, right? So the baking is going to be um, uh, all volunteer based, right? And so then everything else we're putting in this box is is not just, hey, let's just throw this in or, oh, let's just have that. It's a consensus of this is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And this is it. Right. And so then when you look at the box, the box is truly a social mission. And, right. you know, when I think back to my corporate days of box lunches, cause I had tons of them, they right? Right. And right. You, you, you get your box lunch, everybody kind of breaks up for a minute and you, you know, maybe everybody gets on their phones or they start doing whatever. Our mission with this box lunch is really to start those social conversations about the things that we haven't talked about in corporate America for years. And so our box has got a a very cool design with lots of words that can start great conversation, but then inside there's going to be a message and that'll be a conversation starter of a variety of things. And so I really see this as a way for companies to start engaging in those conversations that are difficult, that may be you know, executives don't have with each other, but they only have it with HR. Well, we can bring it into the lunchroom and you can have it with each other.
0: Well, and that's the whole mission of social leadership is to kind of move beyond charity sprinkles and start, you know, baking it into the cake, right? And so yeah, I love what you're saying because the box is like a conversation starter, but it's also, you know, the container for some unbelievable five-star Yelp-rated food. And so, I mean, I'll put us up against any takeout in Kansas City, and we haven't even launched yet. I've had it, and so, so the other cool thing is that um, the proceeds. What's happening with all the proceeds, Randy? Because. We're not just some company, right? We're a social venture nonprofit that's got a lot of other things going on. When somebody buys a box lunch for themselves or for their team, what else is going on at that time? So with that
1: donation, so we are a donate what you can. And with our neighbors in need, we are having a suggested minimum donation of $3 so that they can continue to have a healthy meal that they're exchanging something for. Um, you know, so that part of the donation helps us be able to feed them because our food cost is a little over three dollars and box cost and just that whole thing it is over that three dollar mark so it does help us cover our neighbors in need but also the trauma therapy and the um, reveal program our reveal program um, and our foster grandparent program so we have two other programs besides thomas kitchen inside of reconciliation services and so the funds, Thoma's, and the box lunch is to provide funds for those social programs and get more people hours of counseling that they need. Driver's license, birth certificates. You know, I have been blessed to have my um, office in the reception area of Reconciliation Services for the past several months.
0: Well, it's because we're out of room and we yeah, need to okay. remodel our building. You're no. like in an old closet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, but it's my closet.
0: But it is in the I, lobby. And so wait, you kind of do have unprecedented I, access to really hear the struggles of neighbors when they come in and then kind of see the impact of all the other programs.
1: When when it, it blows my mind, okay, when you have a woman come in that is probably my age, right? Hmm. And she's living in a home that's been the family home for 30, 40 years, but the upkeep hasn't been done on it. And so her electric bills, fifteen hundred dollars for one month. I would probably curl up in a ball, and and just not be able to function. And yet she is here getting help, and we're helping her accommodate that bill. And I, it it's such grace. And when a
0: lot of companies want to know, and a lot of individuals, particularly in the wake of the protests, you know, thank God our country is starting to wake up more, we have these waves of things that happen, but we've got to be able to sustain it. And we've got to be able to figure out a way to operationalize these priorities around racial and economic inequities that we want to solve and the other things that we're working on. But the thing that I'm interested in is that people want to figure out how they can make a difference. But especially with COVID, they're stuck at home working from home. Um, They don't know how to begin I like this word slacktivism. I don't know where I learned it, but this idea of slacker activism, right? The slacker generation that I come out of. So, you know, Gen Xers are kind of slackers. But anyway, the thing is, is that if you want to make a difference, all you got to do is eat lunch. And and if you go to boxlunch.org, every single time you order lunch for yourself or your company, you're going to be able to know that you're providing resources and 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 tools and healing for people just like you're talking yeah, about so
1: absolutely birth certificates drivers license right so and um i oh the other thing that box lunch is going to do father that this is the this is huge
0: it's
1: to okay. create employment for some of our neighbors that need that transitional employment. So right now we're a completely volunteer run organization, right? right? It's artists and I are the only two paid people and everybody else is volunteers. But our goal with box lunch is to get two transitional positions where they start making a salary, start learning how to budget their money, being accountable for showing up on time, right. having a responsibility that can transition them into more permanent employment.
0: And so, artists, they're gonna be working really directly with you and and cooking. And But I think one of the things that you and Randy have said is that it's not just gonna be like, a there are a lot of culinary training programs, which are valuable, but we're not really interested in reinventing the wheel. But you guys have talked about sharing with them that entrepreneurial, innovative spirit, just kind of giving people an opportunity to get creative and to think outside of the box about themselves and their future. And so I really like that. artist. what do you think that's going to be like? And what are you, you going to try to impart to folks who work with you who need a shot uh, more than just how, how you cook?
2: Um, I think on, on, on that aspect, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm very particular on, on stuff that I do. And it's a, like a, a line, you know, you gotta go down this line. And if you buck up the line, it, 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 it'll mess everything up. But as far as trying to you know teach somebody a different skill and things like that, I'm very patient. And it's like, okay, we're going to do this. Especially when you try to get a skill to get a job. Cause I've been there too. Yeah. You go in and you sit there and you go through all these books and stuff like that. I don't got no a book. I don't have any books. I just got this spoon and this knife and this cutting board and I'm going to show you what you need to do with that. Right. And I'm just going to, you know, just, just, just go with your strengths and, and that's it. Just go with your strength and see what you can do.
0: You know, that's very much our philosophy. And I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, reconciliation services, Thelma's kitchen. It's all about revealing strength and and not approaching somebody from a deficit perspective. What don't you have? What can't you do? What struggle have you come through that makes you less than everybody's doing that? Yeah. But, you know, for us and and really this comes out of a social work perspective or even kind of a faith inspired perspective kind of looking at people and seeing their inherent dignity and worth and saying okay yeah you're struggling with this you're, you are you know you're struggling in this area but what do you have and people will say well i got a i've got a friend or you know i do have a car or whatever it is that they've got and we say okay let's start with that let's build on that good foundation and that strength mm-hmm. Based leadership approach is really um, something I think the two of you guys um, exemplify here. Well, we're running out of time, and I, I always end every podcast with this question, uh, and that is that if there are people listening that want to learn how to lead with greater social impact, um, what what kind of tip or inspiration would each of you give to somebody who's wanting to figure out where to begin?
2: My, my tip would just be to go somewhere where you can just sit back and, and volunteer and watch what's going on and then take a note from whoever you talk to or what are you doing, whatever you're doing, and then take it from there. And then and then everything will come out as far as your strengths, as far as your leadership skills, things like that. Especially when I first got here, I was just like I was just following. And then I got put into a position to where I had to lead and I you know, I knew what I could do. And just gotta be confident in yourself and Pick something that you want to do to lead in, or to try to help out in. Now, everybody can't be leaders and everybody can't be followers, but you're your own leader. That's what I say.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll, I'll add to what Artis just said. One of the, the greatest books that I probably ever read on leadership was by John Maxwell, and it's called The 360 Degree Leader. And it talks about leading from where you are. No matter where you are in an organization, you can lead. And um, whether that is washing dishes, whether that is custodial, Charles is one of our greatest leaders we have in this building, right? He makes sure everybody's good. Everybody's doing all right. Everybody's taken care of. That's leadership.
0: Yeah. And he's our part-time facilities manager. He cleans the building. But yeah, he brings that spirit every day. Absolutely. Of Absolutely. And, yeah.
1: and yeah. so leaders are wherever you are, you can lead. You can lead at the bus stop, right? By example. Mm-hmm. and so I uh, uh, really truly believe that when you come and volunteer, and and no matter where that is, right? Whether that's at Thelma's, mm-hmm. whether that's at Hope Faith, whether that's at Bishop Sullivan, whether that's at Salvation Army or Special Olympics, um, find somewhere to to give of yourself so that. So that it's just not all internal focused and all self-consumed. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate what you guys have brought out and I appreciate the wisdom that you offer because, you know, I think a lot of people are looking for a place to begin. So again, I'm going to throw that website up there because it's August 17th, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. This, this podcast is going to air right on the eve of the birthday. Uh, and, if you've heard the sirens and the construction sounds, that's just, that's just a part of what we've got on Truist and there are a lot of changes happening on Truist right now. It's a good reminder because we need help now more than ever to make sure that our neighbors who are struggling to survive and succeed really get the shot that they that they deserve in order to help make Kansas City the greatest city that we can. But I, I appreciate the, the thoughts that you brought because there are a lot of people that don't know where to begin. So again, if you want to get involved and you want to have an incredible lunch and you want to support the work of racial and economic reconciliation in Kansas City and help our neighbors, you can go to Thelma's box And uh, I want to toss it back to you guys. Any final thoughts or anything that we missed that you want to make sure people uh, hear from you?
1: Thank you. I just want to say thank (laughs) you for the support of Kansas City for Thelma's. Thank you, Father, and Reconciliation Services for this incredible opportunity that artists and I get to have every day. And uh, um, just the joy that uh, is Reconciliation Services. It's a true joy. Thelma's spirit is in this building uh, daily. I go out. There's a huge mural. For those that have never been in Thelma's, it's on our website. And, um, you know, I get inspiration daily, just, just from being in her presence.
0: Yeah. Thelma was an amazing woman. I had the privilege of knowing her and she, um, her spirit is absolutely still here driving and, and helping us really accomplish what it is we've set out to do. Well, artist, do you have anything else you wanted to share before we sign off? Just come down there and get a
2: box of nuts.
0: That's right. Yeah. yeah, and so again, you can walk up and get it and order right. it uh, when you come to the window. It's going to be donate what you can when you when you order online at thelmasboxlunch.org, It's a set uh, set price, and we're going to use all of the proceeds from both of those to be able to support the work of Reconciliation Services. So yeah. go to yeah. thelmasboxlunch.
1: One more time, groups of zero to five hundred.
0: That's right. Well, and even if I know that there's one or two groups like Alpha Point and a couple of others that have already been working with us, that we're very grateful that they've committed on a weekly basis to provide lunch for their staff. And we've kind of got the the set day that we're coming in on. And so we provide incredible, dependable food, uh, but they know that they're also contributing to something that furthers their mission as well. Well, guys, I'm going to let you go. And I so appreciate your work and your time and so hang with me for just a minute as we wrap up and I'll be right back to you. So again, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Social Leader Podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation that we've had with artists and with Randy about Thelma's Kitchen and Thelma's Thelma'sBoxLunch.org and the work that's going on to support uh, reconciliation services and and to provide healthy food in the community. If you like this podcast, I've got to ask you to do a favor for me. Wherever you follow this podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, would you smash that like button, hit the bell on YouTube. And this is really going to help us to be able to share the show with more people. And listen, lastly, if you like today's show and you wanna learn more about social leadership, where to begin and how to learn to lead with greater social impact, I want you to visit thesocialleader.org and sign up to find out more about the new e-course, which is literally launching in the next week, called Social Leader Essentials, and I want to have you go online, answer a few short questions, and one of our team members is going to reach out to you to see if this uh, rich, power-packed e-course is going to be right for you. We're going to do a show on that not long from now and really introduce it to you. So until next time, make sure to visit thelmasboxlunch.org and learn to lead with greater social impact. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.